0: on this night, and Lord, all the things that were done that we may assemble in your name. Lord, we ask that you would help us to remember what a blessing it is, and we ask that you would teach us from your word, that you would encourage us. Lord, that you would challenge us. Help us, Lord, to think about you, how great you are, and how wonderful your word is, and that it holds the answers for every issue that we face in life. We thank you for being so good to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may. Bibles, if you would, and let's start in John chapter 8. And uh, we are doing a study on theology. Uh, We're going to go through all the different branches eventually. And uh, we are going to uh, try to cover, uh, of course. If we dealt with all of these things thoroughly, we'd have to deal with every verse in the Bible. And uh, uh, here, under our first major subpoint in Christology, the study the doctrine of Jesus Christ, we are covering what Jesus said about Himself. And uh, these are direct statements where Jesus explains who He is and His ministry and and uh, honestly, uh, I've got 10 of them listed here in our outline, and we could spend a whole lesson, 45-minute lesson on each subject, uh, not, without even trying very hard. And uh, that's really not the goal here, is to study everything so minutely that we lose sight of the whole, because... When Jesus said these things about Himself, He wasn't saying, I am the bread of life here, and I'm the light of the world over here. These things were all true, all at the same time. And and so, we, we want to emphasize and make our theme the person of Christ. And He is truly without peer, without measure, without any uh, ability to fully understand all about who Jesus is. And last week we just started a little bit with I am the bread of life. And so many problems are solved if you'll just read what it says. Jesus was not just talking about a... Uh, a, a relationship, he was talking about assimilation. He was talking about something that is much deeper than the surface. And if we read the passage, he was not talking about physical things. He was talking about a spiritual partaking of the actual death, of the actual sacrifice of Christ to the point to when God looks at you and I He sees the sacrifice of Christ. I'll tell you what, you don't get that kind of salvation praying for five minutes in an elevator between floors. Uh, That's not a, well, uh, yeah, I think I'll give this Jesus thing a whirl. That's not what is spoken about. If we just read the words and think about it a little bit, and, and really, you know, this thing of theology, we always think about, scholars and people who think a lot. Well, uh, one of the goals of being a member of Jesus' church is to be able to think about biblical things, amen, to have a little more than just a surface understanding. Uh, One of the great burdens that's been on my heart since day one of Open Door Bible Baptist Church is we would not have a church full of people who did not understand why they were there, who could not open up a Bible, and when someone says, well, tell me what you believe, uh, you ought to be able to do that. That's not just for the pastor. Amen? And uh, let's look here in John chapter 8 as Jesus presents himself as the light of the world. He said, I am the bread of life. And uh, John chapter 8 and verse 12, he says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So Jesus is explaining something, and let's... Put it in its overall context. What just happened? Jesus was in the temple, and what happened? The scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman taken in adultery. They claim in the very act. And, uh, of course, I always get a little nervous when someone brings someone already convicted of a crime. Uh, how in the world could you know all of these things unless you were part of it? Uh, you know, watch out. I mean, there, there's some things here that we might put into here that there was some plotting and some planning and some tricking and, and other things that bro- put this woman in the situation where she was. And what does the law say? The law is very clear. She should be stoned. And they brought her to Jesus, and of course, here was what was going to happen. If Jesus said, let her live, then they were going to go, see, he doesn't care about the law of God at all. He's, he sold out to the Romans. He, he's just here trying, he's one of those spies. He's trying to dilute the word of God, and and he really doesn't believe it. And they were trying to embarrass him in that way. If Jesus had said, Stone her, guess where they were going? They were pulling out their cell phones and dialing 911 and calling Pontius, saying, Pilate, saying, send out the soldiers, Jesus is trying to murder this poor woman in the temple. You know, they had it all planned. But guess what? Jesus sent away each one of those Pharisees, convicted in their own heart of their own sin and sent away the woman convicted in her heart of her sin yet centered on the one who saved her from her sin I'll tell you what then Jesus says I am the light of the world that's the context my friend Jesus just wasn't a beacon sitting on a hilltop. He said, He that followeth after me... How many of you have ever tried to walk in the dark? I mean, my father-in-law put a set of stairs in that log cabin of his, and I think my name is on every step. I stubbed my toe or tripped on just about every step while we were there, and last night... Uh, somebody left the floodlight on, and I had to walk down the stairs in the dark and back up the stairs in the dark. And and uh, I'll tell you what. You know what I was wanting? I, I was wanting a little light. Because I, I wanted to see where I was going. I already stubbed my toe really good that day and just wasn't interested in repeating it. And... The simple truth is Jesus is saying listen I'm the light of this world but I'm not only a handy dandy flashlight to get you out of a jam to keep you from hurting your toe John chapter 1 in him was life and the life was the what light of men. Do you think Jesus was thinking about John chapter 1 when he made this statement? I believe he was. He said, in me is life, and that life is the light of men. He says, I am the light of this world, meaning he, he gives life. He gives us direction. And uh, let's just, uh, oh, let's pick this one up. Look at verse 15. You, you wonder why these things are in there in connection is because they are connected. Uh, the Pharisees immediately begin saying, you bear record of yourself. Your record is not true. In verse 15, Jesus again cuts to the quick, to the heart. Ye he judge after the flesh. I judge no man. And we hear a lot about judgment. Probably the most misquoted verse in all the Bible: "Judge not, lest he be judged." Oh, wait a minute! That's not what it's talking about, my friend. If you're going to judge things, what did Paul say? He that is spiritual judgeth all things. You know, your life is made up of judgment. I remember in in uh, physical science in ninth grade, it was a Christian course, and they, they took an opportunity there to uh, uh, touch on this thing. How many would like to go across the bridge built out of the best lead that man has ever produced? I mean, my hand's not up, because how many of you know what would happen to a lead bridge? It would collapse under its own weight. It's not a wise thing choice of material. In fact, judgment would tell us that we don't even want just steel, we want tempered steel. Uh, We want specifications. In fact, when we went to to put the baptistry in, the engineer went through and he gave us specific Uh, requirements that the steel had to be this and it had to be that and the concrete under it had to be this and it had to be that and and that was just to hold the baptistry up. And by the way, I assure you, the floor beams are plenty strong to hold it up all by itself. But, the engineer said, this is what I want. If you don't have a proper understanding, guess what? Light is judgment. Jesus said, if I judge you, I'm not judging you alone. It says, because God is judging you. And I am judging you. By the way, God can't judge you unless Jesus judges you. And Jesus can't judge you unless God judges you. Amen? Because it's one God. And so, we have this idea here of understanding, of perception, of judgment, the ability to make choices, the ability to go through life and know where I am going. You know, they sit around in these philosophy classes and they ask the question, who am I? Where did I come from? And where am I going? I like one preacher's answer. He would. This was many years ago when it was actually somewhat safe to pick up hitchhikers and He was trying to witness to the guy, and the guy said, you know, I just cannot get a hold of where I am. And and this preacher was a fairly rough old guy, and he just turned over and slammed on the brakes, pulled over to the side, and looks at the guy and says, get out of my car! And the guy's like, whoa, what did I do? And, And the guy didn't get out the first time, so he did it again a little louder, and the guy was just scared out of his wits, thought the man had gone mad, and And stepped outside the car, he says, I'll tell you where you are, you're right here, and slams the door and drives off. Uh, Gave the guy a little bit of an understanding where he might be alongside the road, amen? Those questions aren't near as complicated as they need to be if you have proper understanding. Ask a dumb question, and guess what, you just might get a dumb answer. Or left alongside the road like that poor fellow. Uh, The preacher told the story was actually the guy that claimed to have done this. And knowing the little bit I do know about this preacher, I think it's a true story. Uh, He's kind of mean on occasion. And the simple truth of the matter is, Jesus is saying, listen, I'm the light of the world. Guess what that light is? That light is life. That light is direction. That light is understanding or judgment, the ability to make choices. You know what? You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Nor do you have to experience sin to know that it's bad. Guess what? You could take God's Word on it. That's light. Amen? You can know that you have life if you have the light of the Savior, And by the way, it's not an inner light. It's light from above. The devil is transformed into an angel of light. You better be careful. Now, turn with me to John chapter 9. Jesus is going to make this same statement. He says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Well, let's put this in context. Verse 4. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had thus spoken, he healed the blind man that was born blind. John chapter 9, verse 5. You see, you know what light does? gives you the ability to work. you ever tried to work in the dark? Doesn't get very much done, does it? Tried to navigate in the dark? I said, well, I'll go, by the, I'll go by the North Star. You know, they make a big deal of that in the slaves heading north and things like that. But uh, don't try that at home. If you're lost in the woods, don't just head north unless you know something's there. Uh, You can get in the middle of the Adirondacks and just head north until you die of starvation, privation, exposure, and uh, animal intrusion. Uh, Let let me tell you, you're going to need just a little more than that. Jesus said, listen, I'm the light of the world. You can't get anything done in the dark. you got to have light. And so, we add that to this relationship, this assimilation, this partaking of the nature of the sacrifice of the work of Christ. He is the light, and yet we go on to chapter 10. And Jesus is going to give us another I am in verse 7 and verse 9. Then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. And uh, let's skip down to verse 9. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pastures. Now Jesus is using a picture here. Sheep was big business uh, in those days; had been since the days of Abraham, and they cared for those sheep, and they would shear those sheep, and they would feed them and care. And they they didn't eat a lot of sheep, except at Passover and sacrifice time. The, The sheep weren't like what we do today. I mean, we'll we'll sit there and raise a thousand sheep and uh, slaughter them all and send them all to the uh, packing plant and everybody has lamb chops and leg of lamb. And they just didn't do that in those days. The lamb's primary purpose, they say that a shepherd would develop such a relationship with his sheep that he could kneel at the entrance of the fold and tell what the sheep was by feeling its face in the darkness. I don't know about you, but I just never have a desire to get to know a sheep that well. But I'm glad my Savior does, amen? And uh, if you know anything about sheep, there is one astounding attribute of sheep. They are so dumb. I mean, sheep just don't think about things. And uh, we still use this phraseology today. Uh, uh, We are just sheep. uh, And that comes from Christ. He was God's sheep, his lamb that was appointed to the slaughter. That's why he opened not his mouth. That's why he didn't complain. That's why he didn't protect himself. But here he says, listen, I am the door. Now, you know what that means? If there is only one door, there's only one means of egress. There's only one way to get into the room. You say, Pastor, I know that, but I want you to think about the application here. See, the fire department says you cannot have just one door on an auditorium. You've got to have, if something happens to that one door, you've got to have other ways to get out of the building so that people can be safe. And, and we gladly accept that because, listen, we, we want this building to be safe. But guess what? Who's going to block the Jesus door? Who's going to impede its use? You never have to worry about the hinges getting rusty. Amen? You never have to worry about someone trying to block that door and and locking the door. He says, I am the door. There's no other way to get in. Now, read the rest of the chapter there. And we've got to keep moving. But he talks about others that get into the sheepfold a different way than coming through the door, and their only purpose is to cause harm, is to steal the sheep, is to hurt the sheep, is to kill the sheep. Jesus said, I am the door. There is no other way. But when someone else comes a different way, I know two things immediately. Number one, they're there to hurt me and hurt other sheep. Number two, they're not from God. So it doesn't matter how silver the tongue is and how beautiful the speeches are and how biblical it sounds, if they don't come through that door, their only intention is is to cause harm. You wonder why I keep naming names and, and talk about TBN and and Joel Osteen and, and Benny Hinn and all of these guys out there. They're not coming through the door, my friend. But they're in the fold. They're talking to the Christians. Number one, they're not from God. Number two, the only thing they are going to accomplish in your life is to drive you further away from the Savior. You become, this isn't new. It's just Bible. Be careful. Because Jesus said, listen, this is the application. Any man that draws attention to themselves. Not from God. And they're going to hurt you. If, on the other hand, they point you to Jesus and point you to the words of this book called the Bible, guess what? There's only one door, there's only one word, there's only one access. To God, We go down in this same chapter, just a few verses, and Jesus is going to, let's just pick up in verse 10. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling, and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth them. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. You go on and Jesus says, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. And they're all going to be one. Talking about the Gentile believers having the same faith. You see, if we're going to be saved, we have to walk through the same door. Uh, Because there's only one. And his name is Jesus. And then he says, I am the good shepherd. Guess what? If he is the door, and he is the shepherd, how much more protected can the sheep be? That's why we get down to verse 30 here in this same chapter, and let's do uh, verse 25. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not, the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me, but ye believe not. Because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. And what's the next verse say? And the Jew, then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. They understood what he was saying. They understood that he was making a claim to deity, to be God. And of course, the Jewish mind only understands one thing. There is one God. And we say, Amen. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, and one God. uh, wait, Wait a minute. One God. Yes, one God. But you see, the God of the Bible is a little bit bigger than your brain. And so in order, and this is not the only reason, but in order for us to just begin to scratch the surface of the incredible enormity and greatness and goodness of our God, He has chosen to reveal Himself to us in three distinct and complete separate persons yet one god and if you explain it any further than that you're into heresy you say but I, I just can't get it good you were never meant to get it it's one of those things we believe because jesus said i am the door there's no other place to go he said i am the good shepherd he said i give my life for the sheep i protect the sheep By the way, what does he say? He says, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Guess what? We're getting back into this thing of relationship here, are we not? To know someone is one thing. To be known by someone is something entirely different. Now, how many of you would know President Obama if he walked in the back door? You would recognize him. Now, I don't have any hope or faith that that would ever happen. But if he were to walk through that back door, would there be anyone in here that would not know who he was? We all know him. But would he call any of us by name? I mean, he might say, Hey, I read on your website, to Pastor Pete, where's he? Uh, But he he wouldn't... uh, We could have... uh, Anybody stand up and say, hey, that's me. He'd believe you. Why? Because he has no idea who I am. He doesn't know me. But Jesus said, well, wait a minute. He says, I'm the good shepherd. You see, I know who my sheep are. But they know me too. They know me. You know how they know me? Because they listen to my voice. You know what, I'm so glad that verse is in there. Because being a preacher, it's my job to preach, to use my voice, to put forth the Word of God. But the challenge has gone out since day one, and will go out until Jesus takes us home, that you've got to spend some time in this book and make sure that what is being taught is coming from here, not from here. Uh, Because if it comes from here, you're in trouble. So am I. God's going to hold me accountable. But if it comes from here, then we have a responsibility to hear and to obey. When I was a young preacher, I used to say, Well, I'm not here to tell you what to do. I don't say that anymore. I am here to tell you what to do. You know why? Because... I want what's best for you. And obedience to God's Word is the absolute best thing that can happen in your life. If you want a blessing, listen to the shepherd. I remember uh, we were watching some of the old family videos and there were some guys that showed up in those videos and I remember talking to them and they were talking to me and said, ha, ha, how, how do you get into the Marshall family? I mean, how uh, we were engaged at that time. And, man, I was really a popular guy because there had been a lot of guys that tried to marry a Marshall girl and didn't make it. And, and uh, we were engaged and it was announced publicly. And so, how, how did you do that? I said, do you want the simple answer? I, and they say, yeah. I said, make sure it's God's will. And the guy said, Oh, no sweat. I know it's God's will. And I'm sitting here laughing because I know what the sister said about that guy when they weren't listening. And I knew it would never, ever be God's will for them to marry into the family. You see, when God communicates something, He lets the interested parties know. Amen? I mean... Brother Marshall didn't want to say yes back in 1988. I think he's... I asked him, I said, are you are you still... Uh, I said, are you uh, not, no longer upset that I busted up the family? And he just gave me a big hug. And we, uh, we got over that part. But that was hard for him. He had never had to give up a daughter before. Listen... But see, God had done something in Brother Marshall's heart. And by the way, it helps if the person you want to marry believes it's God's will as well. Uh, I mean, he needs to let some people know about this thing more than one. I remember in, in uh, as a member of Cleveland Baptist, we had just gotten there and some guy come up and said... God's called me to and listed all of these things he's going to do. I said, have you talked to Pastor Thompson yet? He said, oh, no, I don't need to talk to him. Well, guess what? He never did any of those things. Because when God tells you something, when God gives you direction, he'll He'll give it to those people that are in your life that he wants to use to direct you as well. That's what it means to prove God's will in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. Jesus said, listen, I am the door. I'm the good shepherd. I am the light. I am the bread of life. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 36. Jesus is explaining some things and... and uh, Verse 36, he says, Say ye of him whom the Father hath sanctified and sent into the world, Thou blasphemest, because I said I am the Son of God. Let me tell you something. The Pharisees understood what Jesus was saying. They understood who he claimed to be. And any brave boy that gets up and says, Jesus never claimed to be God... Well, I'll tell you what, they've not read their Bible very much. That's all we could say about them. That's the nicest thing we could say about them. But we get down here to verse 41. It says, And many resorted unto him, unto Jesus, and said, John did no miracle, but all things that John spake of this man were true. Look at verse 42. And many believed on him. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God because He said so. We have no problem with that. We don't divide God up into little pieces. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It is one God. Three completely separate persons. And we don't understand it, but He is the Son of God. And we believe Him and we worship Him as God, because that's who He is. Amen? Look at just another chapter over, John chapter 11. Lazarus had been in the ground for four days. Jesus had not showed up when Mary and Martha had hoped that He would. And I'm sure that Lazarus, unless he was so sick that he he did not even know where he was or couldn't talk, that he was hoping Jesus would show up before he died. And Jesus chose not to come on purpose. And he gets there and Martha meets him and she says, Lord, he's been in the grave for four days. And look what Jesus says. thy brother, verse 23, shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now, where in the world did Martha get that idea? I'll tell you, somebody that explained it to her from the scriptures of the Old Testament because that's all they had. Jesus spent a lot of time in that house. It wasn't only Mary who learned some things. Martha learned some things here. And if you read through this story, it was really Martha that had the faith. She said, I know even now what you ask, God will give it to you. And Jesus says, listen, He's going to rise again. She says, yes, I understand in that last day when God is done with this race that we call human, everybody's going to be put into that eternal, resurrected state, and those that are dead in Christ, in faith, are going to be with Him. That's the hope of the believer, amen? And Martha had faith in the eternal and in the future. But when Jesus said, roll the stone away from the door, her faith wasn't near as strong then. But you see, when Jesus said, I am the resurrection, He's saying, listen, I have the power over death, both here and now, and for all eternity. Why doesn't Jesus raise our sick ones from off their deathbeds and give them life? Because precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. He's got a time clock that he is working on and each one of us are going to walk through that veil unless Jesus comes. That's the only way you escape walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But I'll tell you something. I don't need to fear any evil because he is the resurrection. He holds the power of life and death in his hand and I do not need to be concerned, because He is life. He is life after death. Amen? we got just a couple more to work through here. John chapter 14. If you've not memorized this verse, Jesus told uh, Philip as he was trying to figure out what way Jesus was going, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He said, I am the way. If you're going to have access to God, if you're going to get there, guess what? You've got to walk the way. If you're going to get into this building, you've got to come up on 35th Street. And you've got to be on the east side of the street to get into this building. If you don't go that way, you don't get in here. It just doesn't happen. Not unless uh, you're the amazing Spider Man or something like that, or Superman, or uh, which don't exist, you're not getting in. Jesus said, "Listen, I am the way, I'm the only access, I am the truth." Hey, we get back to discernment. We get back to a way of measuring. I mean, there are. What did Jesus say would would be the trademark of the person the Bible calls the Antichrist? It's as if it were possible, he would deceive the very elect. Why is it not possible? Because when I have the truth, I can measure things and know what isn't. That's why we're not answering every question that every knucklehead has ever come up with throughout all of history. If you want to sit around and try to figure out uh, whether... Uh, The mice that eat the crumbs from the wafer, get grace or not. Be my guest. How many angels dance on the head of a pin and other such really important stuff. Have at it, but not at this church. You know why? Because He is the truth. And we measure it by Jesus. And if it doesn't measure up, we're just simply not interested. And by the way, He is the life. If your life is not in Jesus, if the goal of your life is not the Lord Jesus Christ, if what you're living for is not Jesus, you're in trouble. Because Jesus said, I am the, the way, the truth, and the life. In John chapter 15, he says, I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. Guess what? It's the branch that is rooted in the vine, which is rooted in the ground, it's not the other way around. In fact, we put, I put a note here in your outline. This is what false religion is all about. It's reversing the process. It's the branches that bear the vine. You see, if you don't come to our church, and if you don't do what we say, and if you don't adhere to our little list of do's and don'ts and participate in what we say we will give you grace, then you can't have salvation that's backwards. Jesus says, Listen, it comes from the vine, not from the branch. So if there's anything good in my life, it's because I am connected to Jesus Christ. I don't do good things to prove that I'm a Christian, I do good things because I'm rooted in Christ. I'm not trying to produce, to make sure or ensure or some type, some way of earning my relationship with God. I need to rest in the Savior just the same way that that branch rests in the vine. And if that branch is a good branch, guess what it's going to do? It's going to bring forth fruit. That's John chapter 15, when Jesus said, I am divine. How much false religion does that one picture of Christ destroy? This is theology, my friend. Now, these last two we're going to cover in a very, very summary way, because we're coming back to them. And we're going to spend some time there. But Revelation chapter 1, if you would. Revelation chapter 1. Look at verse 8. Jesus is speaking here. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is... And which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Verse 17, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive evermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. If you're the first and the last guess what? You're everything in between, too. Amen? If you're that which was, which is, and which is to come, guess what? You're there before it began, and you're going to be there after it all ends. You are the Almighty, the, the Creator of the universe. Jesus is being created shown to us, and he is publicly identifying himself to John as the glorified Son of God. But as we read through here, he is also what? He's the keeper of the candlesticks, my friend. The church belongs to him, not to any group of men. That's why we're an independent church. We're an independent church because the responsibility... The connection to the keeper is personal to every member of this church. We're not going to withdraw that relationship and that responsibility by giving it to some committee down at headquarters that tells us what to do and who our pastor is going to be and what we're going to believe and what our Sunday school lessons are. We have a personal responsibility as the candle in the candlestick holder to the keeper of the candle. And what did Jesus tell the Ephesian church? He said, you don't do what I say. I'm taking you out of the candlestick. You're not going to give my light unless it's my light. By the way, he is the light of the world. Do you see how much overlapping there is in all of these pictures that Christ paints of Himself to teach us about Himself. And we go to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22. In verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David, the bright and morning star. This is Jesus' book. But He connects Himself to the promises made to David and back to Abraham and yes, to Adam and Eve in the garden that He is the seed of the woman that would destroy the serpent's head. It is He in whom all the families and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed It is he who will sit upon the throne of his father David and yet be David's God. Pharisees had a fun time with that one. But we don't have time to go there tonight. But Jesus is showing himself as this is his book. This is his history. This is His direction. It's all about Jesus. We talk about the Old Testament and the New Testament. And people who are unfamiliar with what we mean think that we cut them up into two separate parts and there's nothing that connects the two. No, they're connected in Christ. Because David was the king in the Old Testament. Amen? And Jesus is the root and the offspring of David. He fulfills and takes all of the Old Testament promises and makes them applicable to you and I today. If you want to know anything about Christ, it's simply this. He's everything. No, He's not in the wood that makes the pulpit and the pews. We're not pantheists. But I'll tell you what, He created the tree from which these trees grew. Amen. He's the one who gave the wisdom to men to be able to put these things together and use them. He is the bread of life. He is the light of the world. He is the door, the good shepherd, the son of God. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the true vine. He is the first and the last. He is the root and offspring of David and the bright and morning star. He is. And all God's people said, Heavenly Father, we come before you today, this evening, and Lord, we just ask that you would give us a greater vision of who you are. Lord, Did in our crazy and hectic schedules, that we would take a moment and go through these verses and ask you to help our little minds stretch so that we could comprehend the depth of your love for us. Not that we'll ever reach the end, but Lord, at least let us gaze over the vast and the endless plain of your goodness and your greatness and your presence and your being. Lord, let us get so full of you that when any imposter steps into the light... They are immediately shown as the hideous and dangerous thief that you call them in John chapter 10. The Lord, we would have the judgment, we'd have the light. They would show up. That silver-tongued beauty. Beauty. As the hideous servant of Satan who would destroy us if we were not wary, if we did not know his tricks. Lord, help us to look at the greatness of our Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And we'll take just a moment, have the piano play.